This podcast is sponsored by Police Bank. Police Bank is run by members for the members. That means they'll do more than any other bank to support you and those you care about. As there are no external shareholders, profits are returned to members in the form of competitive interest rates, products and services, along with many of the additional discounts and benefits. What's more, if you're on the New South Wales Police Force payroll, we'll even send you your pay a day earlier than scheduled. One of the many reasons to bank with Police Bank. Welcome to Inside the New South Wales Police Force. Real cops, real stories. I'm your host, Adam Shand. Today, we're taking a tour of the New South Wales Police Air Wing a small but vital support unit to every facet of police operations. It's 8am at the New South Wales Police Aviation Command at Bankstown Airport. It's time for morning briefing. All right, let's knock this over. So today we've got plenty of crew. Predominantly, we're just going to use Tristram as our pilot. Ruffy is here, he's really only for emergencies. As usual, there's a long list of pre-existing jobs on the board. Plus, whatever tasks come up today where air support might be required. There's still the pre-existing jobs up north. There's photos up near Cessnock, a trail bike op up at Taree, vehicle search at Rothbury. The air wing is also on standby for some top secret surveillance work if needed. However, right now, no one is flying anywhere. The five helicopters and three fixed-wing aircraft in the fleet are grounded. The base is shrouded in fog, as is much of New South Wales. It's not safe to fly. Uh, A lot of moisture around, so expect fog in the valleys pretty much everywhere from New South Wales border all the way up to Queensland border until about midday. It's just getting better as the day goes on. I've come on a good day. It's not often so many of the personnel are on site for any length of time. This is probably the smallest command in the New South Wales Police Force, but one of its most valuable and strategic, and the members form a highly specialised cohesive unit. Yeah, we're aviators, we have a certain mindset. Um, We carry our passion for policing through, but we also have to take on a, a new mentality that's involved in aviation and everything that comes with it. There's a lot of complexities that we have to integrate between the two, so. And keeping everyone safe is your job today? Primarily, yes. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) I have an experienced crewman showing me through the Aviation Command this morning. He has his own story to tell also. This is a tough job to break into and it comes with huge levels of risk. My name's Ian Bennett. I'm a senior constable. I've been in the police for 20 years and been at the Aviation Command for the last seven where I'm a tactical flight officer, which has a few different sort of arms that come off that. Yeah, mission controller, systems operator, down the wire winch operator. Yeah, a few different hats that we wear. So we're fully exposed. We are attached. We've got a, we've got a harness on and, and, a, and a restraint strap, which we call a wander lead. So we are attached to the airframe at all times, but you are outside, you're standing on the skids, you're getting hit by the wind, you're getting hit by the weather, um, the noises, everything like that. So it definitely challenged me with my height issues. Um, I was a bit slower getting through than than most guys because of those issues, but I did get through. Yes, you heard right. This man who makes his living hanging out of helicopters actually has an issue with heights. I'm not afraid to say it. I went and got um, hypnotherapy um, and some, you know, used some 
you know, mindfulness techniques to help me overcome that. And it was all just more a battle of the brain um, more than anything. But, um, and I coined the term, I got very comfortable with being uncomfortable. And um, yeah, so it took me a little while to get through it, but um, yeah, eventually passed about um, a month ago. So now I'm a fully qualified winch operator. Um, so yeah, doing those winches up around that 300 foot mark. So I've been in the job 20 years. I did want to join um, Polair when I did first start, but um, the requirements to get in here, I, I didn't meet the criteria at the time, so I went down a different path. I did general duties for um, seven or eight years and then um, found an interest in forensic investigation. I became a, a crime scene officer down on the south coast. I did that for seven years, but still had that goal of joining the air wing just at a time in my life where I was at a bit of a crossroads with where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do and came back to work after some time off and the first thing I saw when I turned my computer back on was an ad for Polair Recruiting. So it was like this is one of those signs and um, I had about three days to get my application through and and uh, quickly rang up and they said, yep, I'll throw your hat in the ring and, um, yeah, after a long process and a stressful one and, you know, the biggest probably challenge I've had in the cops. I managed to, to get in and, yeah, still here. And you had to overcome your fear of heights. Yeah, I, I've always... It's it's not so much a fear of heights. I'm not one of these people that can't stand on a, a balcony. I'm not one of these people that, you know, I'm quite comfortable going up in the helicopters and the planes and looking out the window. That's not an issue. It's I have a, a fear of a security, being secure. You know, you put me on the top of a, a three-step ladder and I'll shake like a leaf but put me up at, at 300 foot on the end of a end of a, um, a winch cable and I'm I feel all right so what drives the motivation what's the reward for all that sacrifice and hard work and and changing your mindset to, to get to that role I think it's just being able to do a job that is unique there's not many people who get to fly around you know they, they call a helicopter sometimes a flying police car and yeah we essentially are just going around doing jobs like the car crews are on the ground, but there's that different aspect to it. It's being able to do stuff from up in the air that the guys on the ground can't do. You know, being able to find an offender hiding that the guys on the ground might not be able to see. It's the going out and and doing those rescues and knowing that you have changed someone's life, you've saved someone's life. It's just that, that feeling of you go out and you think, yeah, we've actually made a difference today. So this is our operations room. Boss calls it the, the heart and soul um, of the place. Manned by the supervisor and an operations assistant. This is where we monitor jobs. We get jobs called in um, from our radio, advising us jobs throughout the state. This is Tristram, he's one of our pilots. He's ex-Navy. Yeah, Tristram Gleeson, no rank, just as employed as a civilian for New South Wales Police Force, yeah. And what's on for today? Uh, for me, so I'm the duty pilot today, so that's general duty. So, again, reactive tasking could be anything from any type of law enforcement tasks to search and rescue, that's over land and over water. And then also if any aircraft need to do coming out of the maintenance uh, workshop that need to do ground runs before they're safe to fly, um, I'll go and do that with the engineers as well. This yeah. weather's holding you up for a few hours? Yeah, the weather is, um, it's, a, it's not often that we get um, fog across the entire Sydney basin, including like along the coast. So today's a rare day in Sydney, I think. Um, 
but it should lift soon. We'll go flying. It should be nice and sunny. Any one day in your career so far that you really remember? Oh, I think the car pursuits that have to be up there. Um, yeah, some crazy kids out there that do some dangerous things, but it's good. I think we'd really lend a, a lot of safety to successfully apprehending those people, and they do cause quite a danger to people, you know, the general public, but successfully apprehending them as safe as possible when we can get an aircraft overhead and really just, um, you know, monitor them, not pressure them, and then, you know, hopefully get a successful arrest later, yeah, in a more safe area than where they might be driving around like maniacs. And you thought you knew a thing or two, having come from the Navy as a, as a helicopter pilot, but you, I think this is a very different kind of flying, a very, very unique flight, and it's also unique to this base. Yeah, it is. Bankstown is an interesting place to fly from as your home base. It's very busy. The mix of aircraft types is uh, really diverse. You know, you've got... You've got kids here that are learning, you know, 14, 15-year-old kids learning to fly an aircraft for the first time and then you've got jets and rescue helicopters coming out with various priorities. It's very busy. If you go in any direction too far one way or the other, you're starting to mix it with heavy jets coming out of Sydney. So you've really got to be on top of your game. And there's a well-positioned base to respond to the Sydney Basin and all of New South Wales. It's, it's really good right in the heart of the Sydney Basin there. So big features, big buildings, industrial areas, waterways, things like that, railway lines, we use that to, to get our eyes on those locations and give the pilot, you know, because he's obviously looking for other aircraft flying around, he can't be looking at a map all the time. So, um, yeah, we'll give him landmarks to fly to to direct him to that street or house yeah. or, or whatever it is that we're going to. In the aircraft, it's got an ARS system, which is augmented reality system um, where the video and the map will be overlaid on top of each other. So we can watch the video as, it, as it's going and what the camera's showing us and it'll come up with the streets on that as well. So it's just really quick. We can tell police on the ground where what street a car's travelling on and what direction it's going in, in real time. We'll go back to the New South Wales Police Air Wing after a message from our sponsors. Police Bank's award-winning unsecured personal loan offers competitive variable and fixed-rate options, all designed to be tailored to suit your needs and budget. From the latest in big-ticket electronics, white goods and household items, to holidays, cars, boats and bikes, Police Bank will assist you to find the best applicable rate on your personal loan. This podcast is also proudly brought to you by Charles Sturt University, providing education for the New South Wales police force and law enforcement worldwide for over 30 years. Do you want to become a cop or further your policing career? We can help. Visit csu.edu.au forward slash policing to learn more. Real-time is a concept that police aviators like Ian Bennett understand all too well, like when they're searching for missing people and hope is fading. In September 2022, three-year-old Anthony Elphalak, known as AJ, went missing on his parents' rural property northwest of Sydney. AJ survived three days alone in the bush. It was the crew of the police helicopter that first spotted the boy sitting in a puddle drinking water from a creek bed a few hundred metres from his home. I was the first crew that got deployed. So, yeah, we go out there with a limited 
knowledge to begin with. We just get information that there's a, a young child missing on a property. So a whole cascade of different um, scenarios go through your mind as to what's happened. You know, how far have they gotten? You know, has he hurt himself? Has he been abducted? You know, it's just you try and try and work out the best scenario to approach it to begin with. And, um, you know, so we were we were searching waterways, creeks. There was a lot of, you know, dams, things like that. It was quite a large rural type property. The longer it goes on, you do start getting those thoughts of this is not going to be a search. It's going to be more of the recovery. And then, yeah, it just happened to be out one of our crews um, on the that fourth day, I think it was, and came over the top. And I think it was, you know, less than 100 metres from his house. He was just, yeah, sitting there in a creek drinking some water. And, yeah, it was... Um, and you think the amount of people that were out searching, you know, they, they had the rescue guys are out there, the dog squad, the mounted police, the SES, RFS, you know, there were so many different people out there searching for this kid, searching everywhere. I think they'd even searched that area where he was located a couple of times. We are very valuable in that side of things, yeah, but when you have those sorts of jobs, the reward that you get for, you know, locating people like AJ. Or well, I think we all in the community let out a sigh of relief when AJ was found. I can I can imagine the atmosphere here when he was found because you'd all been involved in the search and had ridden the highs and lows of that yeah. process. What was it like here when he was found? Yeah, it was good. Like it was a, a, a one of those, oh, my God, you know, like it was a bit of a shock. Like I said, we those sorts of things that when they drag on and drag on, it's, it's not usually a good result in the end, as I said, especially for a, a, a young three-year-old. But, um, yeah, there was a lot of pats on the back and, and the, the guys who, who did happen to be that crew um, who located him, you know, got rewarded and, and rightly so. But, um, you know, one of the guys who got the award said this is for everybody that was involved in that in that search because it wasn't just one crew. You know, it was a, it really was a, everyone getting together and, and you know, different shifts over different days, over different crews. So it was, yeah, it wasn't just a, a three-man job. It was, a, you know, probably about a 20, 30-man job. And that typifies what I've seen today is a very people-oriented business, a group of people who are making the best they can with limited resources, a huge volume of work. People have no idea. I've seen the, the, the list of jobs today mm. and that's just the ones that are planned, yep. let alone what might come up during the day. Yeah, 100%. Like we're a statewide asset. We could be doing a search along the, the cliffs at the Gap in a matter of minutes to get a call to go to Broken Hill. Every job is different and crews must refine their skills and equipment to meet the conditions they encounter. It all starts with communication. Lives can depend on the interpretation of a simple hand signal. So even details like getting the gloves right matter. Yeah, so we've got the, uh, the high-vis gloves here, uh, that you're all using them now, but this came directly from your experience one day on the job. What was that? Yeah, um, we had a, a rescue that we had to do up around Hornsby in Barara, where it's just quite a lot of bushland up through there, and um, we had a missing uh, bushwalker who wandered off the, the path um, and got stuck down in one of the, the ravines, so then by a creek. It was getting to the end of the day, so last light. Um, we're not allowed to winch in darkness after last light, so we're always mindful of what time it, it, it goes, does go dark. We were there just before the last light, and we, the only way to get this woman out was to winch her out, otherwise she was going to be um, stuck there the whole night. So um, I was um, the down-the-wire person. Still quite light up where the aircraft was, but down inside the valley was, was getting quite dark. So when I get winched down, I go down with a rescue bag, which has got harnesses. Um, so by the time I had to harness, put the harness on on the person that we were rescuing, it had got a, a bit darker again. Our flight suits are 
dark blue, almost black, with only a small reflective strip on them, and the gloves that we use while we're doing our, our winching were black also. So standard procedure is once we're, we're hooked up to the, to the winch, to the hook, I'm attached to it, the, the person who needs rescuing is attached to it, I extend my arm out to full distance as far as I can so it's visible to the aircraft, which at this stage was probably at about 200 to 250 feet above where we were. You know, so getting close to that sort of 100 metres above where we were. And just because of the darkness where we were, that my arm being extended out wasn't that visible. The only thing that really made it noticeable was the reflective tape that's on my, on my flight suit. So the winch operator could see just the lights of the aircraft reflecting off that. So he winched us up and he actually, we debriefed that flight and he said he wasn't 100% sure that my arm was extended, it was just that he could see that reflective tape. So as a result of that debrief, we got um, high-vis, yellow high-vis gloves brought in, which have got a lot more reflective tape on them. And they're very stylish too. Yeah, nice high-vis yellow. I'm Matthew Stanton and I'm a Special Constable pilot. I'm told that a visit to the air wing is not complete without speaking to you. Why is that? <laughs> okay. uh, I, I don't know. I'm one of the, one of the oldest here, I guess. Like, how long have like, you been here for? 15 years. Yeah, right. Yeah. How, how did you make your way here? Oh, it's been a long and arduous journey, but started, started flying 29 years ago. I started up in Newcastle for a few years doing some corporate work. Then I went overseas to Canada for 10 years, flew over there. Uh, and then always wanted to work here, so when I saw the, the ads come around, I, I thought, uh, and I met the criteria, I thought I'd throw my hat in and, yeah, here I am, 15 so, years later. So you come from an aviation background, not a policing background? No, all aviation. I've never never been a, a cop on the street. I wouldn't have the patience for that. And you never had to go to Goulburn, the academy? No, no, we did a, a special constables course, like a, an abridged course, which took about five or six weeks, and then we got, got to flying. It's probably the most dynamic and diverse flying that I've ever done. I used to used to do firefighting prior to this, so some of those some of those um, traits sort of cross over. But yeah, no job is ever the same. No two days are ever the same. So it's quite it's entertaining flying and it's challenging and um, it's some of the best flying you'll ever do. I think. What's your biggest memory in the job? There was a British backpacker that was lost in the Blue Mountains for ten days that we spent a lot of time doing um, searching and uh, flying around looking for him. And after about day seven, I think they moved it to more of a body recovery, thinking that he, he was deceased. Uh, and I think on about the 10th day, he walked himself out of the bush. We'd done a lot of search work through, it, through the course of the job. Um, and his father had flown out from England to, to come and look for him and, and to be a part of that. Uh, and he was actually literally boarding a plane home thinking that his son was dead and we got the call to fly to uh, Mascot, pick him up off a British Airways flight and fly him up to Katoomba so he could see his son in the hospital. That was probably one of the most emotional flights I've ever done. I think there wasn't a dry eye in the helicopter at the time because this guy had literally had his son delivered from, from death to you know, being alive and well. So. And probably the most dangerous thing you do is the search and rescue, the winch operations, where you've got someone dangling down, a bloke like Ian Bennett, he's not a small lad, <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and and that's the thing. Like people, uh, people don't get lost in in wide open fields or in the middle of the beach. It's always it's always you know a two square meter hole in the bush that's three hundred feet below you that you have to try and uh, or, or on the side of a cliff or 
you know, in the middle of the ocean and, and these are the places where we have to get in and drag these people out. And, you know, I've, I've done many a job where we haven't winched somebody out and we've said, look, this it's far too dangerous for us to be here. When Ian Bennett's the one down the wire, he makes that call. It's really my decision in the end whether we're going to do that winch or not. And I have to make an assessment on that person's, you know, state of mind, how they're feeling. You know, it's, it has happened where people start to panic, um, which can be, you know, very dangerous to... You know, the crew member who's coming up, but it also can be dangerous to the aircraft. You know, if they start panicking and thrashing around, it can cause that swing to come up on that cable. So you get into that situation and that can cause, you know, the aircraft to, to become a, a bit unstable. So, yeah, you got to be pretty certain that they're good to go. Generally, they, they do want to get out of there, so they're happy to go. I guess the, the difference between us and the guys on the ground, you know, having been there, like, the guys on the ground, they're walking into situations where they could end up shooting someone. You know, so I guess in that regard, they've got each other's back to a, a bit of a higher level, I guess, depending on the job that they're going to. From our side of view, you know, we're not we're not engaging the public. You know, so we're, we can we can look at it from a different aspect. So our safety, our officer safety, is the fact that we're flying around in a helicopter that's loaded with aviation fuel. We could have an engine failure at any time. You know, so we're we you know we fly over water. You know, we could have to ditch in the water. You know, we've got our own breathing systems that we have attached to our um, our equipment. You know, with small little scuba bottles that, to help us breathe if we do go underwater. We go into those winching scenarios, as I said, if it's if one person's not comfortable in doing that winch, then we don't do it at all. Winching is the most dangerous thing that, that we will do. We're always looking out for each other in that regard. We check our equipment, um, we check each other's equipment. You know, we make sure that, that they're attached to their harness and that they're attached to the airframe. You know, that's all part of us just looking out for each other and, and covering off each other. And, I haven't worked, no disrespect to anyone else I've worked with before, but I've never trusted anyone like I do here. You walk in and and know who you're working with and know you're going to be safe. Now, the sun is coming out. It looks like things will be getting pretty busy from here, so I'm going to leave you shortly. What will the day pan out from here? I mean, there's probably been a fair few calls already for jobs um, for us to attend this morning, but uh, we've also got pre-planned jobs from uh, other commands to, to go look at certain things. But um, yeah, I dare say it's gonna be pretty, pretty busy for the rest of the day, catching up on what we've missed out on so far. That was Senior Constable Ian Bennett. If you'd like more information about the operations of the New South Wales Police Force Air Wing, there's a link in the show notes. Next week, we go inside the cyber crime unit and the never ending battle with online scammers. Thanks for listening. Inside the New South Wales Police Force is a Real Crime Australia production in association with the New South Wales Police Force. The host producer is Adam Shand. Editing and imaging by Matt Dwyer. For New South Wales Police, Christian Schweitzer, Sergeant Emma Key, Senior Constable Ashley Bold and Anthony Bray and the New South Wales Police Force Band. To find out more about any of our products discussed on today's episode, speak to us on 131 728 or visit policebank.com.au because banking with Police Bank means banking where you belong. This podcast is also proudly brought to you by Charles Sturt University. 
providing education for the New South Wales police force and law enforcement worldwide for over 30 years. Do you want to become a cop or further your policing career? We can help. Visit csu.edu.au forward slash policing to learn more.